0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the Gospel
1: of Luke, in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Now it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, what were all of these people doing there? Why were they here? This was in Capernaum, and you have people from every town of Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem. You have everyone here. There were representatives of everyone in the entire nation of Israel here in this small little community, Capernaum. What were they doing there? I mean, were they having some kind of convention of some kind? Was this some pharisaical convention that required the attendance of everyone in the entire nation, that everybody was required at this time to converge at this place at this time? I mean, the logistics are incredible. It's like a festival in Jerusalem, except here. And now, instead, it's a festival in Capernaum. Is that what this is? No, this is a very significant Event. This is a very significant time in the history of Israel that all of these people came to see what was going on and to hear Jesus teach. But what was it that drew them here at this time? He had already started his ministry. This was the beginning of his ministry, but he had already accomplished a number of things. He was already reasonably well-known in the nation of Israel. Why would they come here now? Why would they sit here now? Why would they listen to him now? What happened? What took place? Well, in order to really appreciate the gathering that has taken place, you have to understand the events that led up to this gathering. In Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, just a few verses above this, we see a miracle that Jesus performed. And many times people read through this miracle and they do not understand the significance of this miracle. They just don't. They think, oh, well, that's nice. He did that. That's that's interesting. We can be thankful for that. We can appreciate that. But, you know, there is a whole lot more there besides just an opportunity to appreciate what he did. In Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 12, it says, And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed." And then the following verse says, Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. But this is why. The reason why is because of the healing of this leper. This is the event that really made a significant change in the way that people viewed Jesus. You know, before he could have just simply been an irritant. Before he could have been someone who claimed to be the Messiah. But, you know, we'll see. They did not have to take him that seriously. If you look at his ministry before this point, there were not many things that he did that would really draw their attention. Not like this. When he healed the leper, it gave him the opportunity to truly get the attention of the entire nation of Israel the life of a leper was a very challenging life it was a very difficult life in verse 12 it says and it happened when he was in a certain city that behold a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus this man had leprosy he was struggling with leprosy to the extent where he was about to take his life that's what it means to be full of leprosy That means that there's not much left of you that the leprosy can take over. You are about to die. This man had been leprous for a long time, I would expect. Leprosy doesn't take over an individual like this as quickly as perhaps some people would prefer. It does take some time. Leprosy is a bacterial infection, and it's very, very difficult to get rid of it. It's only been in recent times through the use of modern medical technology and antibiotics that people have had some success in being able to overcome leprosy. But before these recent times and medical advances, there was no hope that anyone would ever be free of leprosy once they got it. When this man originally acquired leprosy, when he became leprous, when he got this infection, he would be an individual in the land of Israel, in the nation of Israel. He would be an individual, a person, someone who would contribute to the society that he was a part of. He would produce more than he would consume, more than likely. And he would participate in the things of Israel. He would be a part of a community and he would have access to the temple He would have access to Jerusalem and the festivals in the sense that he would be able to participate as anyone else would have been able to participate. When people saw him, they would see him as an individual who probably had hope and promise, who had a place and a role in their society, and he acquired leprosy. When a person acquires leprosy, they are taken to the temple. He would have been taken to the temple And they would have identified the fact that he appeared to have a skin problem, a problem of some kind, an infection. And because of that, according to the law, he would be quarantined for a period of time. He would be put aside for seven days. And on the eighth day, he would be evaluated. This is according to Leviticus chapter 13. He would be evaluated and they would declare him to be either clean or unclean. If he was declared to be unclean, especially as a leper, according to the laws of Leviticus chapter 13, if that would be the case, then he would have to abide by the laws that were declared there in terms of how he was now to live for the rest of his life. The laws are very clear. Once he is declared to be a leper, once he is officially Declared to be someone who is unclean according to the law of leprosy. There were five things that he would have to do. The first thing that he's going to have to do is he is going to have to tear his clothes. He is no longer ever going to be permitted, according to the law, to wear clothes that are not torn. From this day forward, he will be seen by all the people in Israel, and anywhere else for that matter, he would be seen by all the people in the world, if he lives in obedience to this commandment, he would be seen as an individual who is definitely not blessed by God, that he is an individual who is to live in poverty. He is an individual who is to live in such a way that he can never enjoy the nice things of life. The second thing that he would have to do is ensure that his head would never be covered. Definitely not in public. He would always have to walk around in public with his head bare, with his head uncovered, which would mean many things to people, of course, but one of the things that it would convey would be that he had no shelter, that he had no place to hide, that he had no place to really rest. That he was in a situation that he would always be exposed, always be exposed, not only to the elements of the world, but also to anyone who he might come in contact with. The third thing that he would have to do is he would have to cover his mustache or effectively cover his nose he would have to make sure that he would have something over his mouth and over his nose in order to ensure that he would never breathe on anyone or accidentally sneeze on them or something like that, because this is contagious, and it can be contagious through the nasal passage. So he would have to cover his face from the nose down or the mustache down, and in that way, whenever he would come in contact with anyone, in that way, they would be told just by looking at him, That whatever came out of his mouth would be unclean. People would have to beware of whatever he had to say, of whatever he had to breathe, of whatever he might communicate. The fourth thing that he would have to do is he would have to cry out that he was unclean, of course, before they came within reasonable proximity of where he was he would have to warn them in advance he would have to call out to them that he is unclean that he is someone who they need to avoid before they even find out that he's there before they come in contact with him before they are able to identify him as a person he would have to declare to them according to the law he would have to tell them that he is someone who they don't want to come near at all. That they don't want to come in contact with. They don't want to hear him speak. They don't want to hear him sneeze or breathe. They want nothing of him at all. And he was responsible. He was obligated by law to ensure that everyone was properly informed concerning this. That he as a person would make them unclean if they came in contact with him. This is a very important law in that a person can become unclean by coming in contact with another person. And the fifth thing that he would have to do would be that he would have to dwell alone outside of the camp. He would no longer have any place among the people at all. He would no longer have any place In the nation of Israel, he would have no role in that society ever again. When he went to the temple to be evaluated by the priests to determine whether or not he had leprosy, this is what he was being confronted with. This was the risk of going before the priests. This was the risk of being exposed, of the leprosy being discovered. This is what he was facing. And when he left the temple, when he left the priesthood, when he left Jerusalem, being told officially that he was leprous, that he was a leper, that he would have to live this way, that was a moment that I don't believe anyone would ever be able to forget. It was the end of his life as he knew it before. And it was the beginning of a new life that he would now live with only one end, and that is when the leprosy finally takes his life. He is at the end. He is at that time when leprosy has overtaken him to the point where he is full of it, and it is going to take his life. He has already suffered all this time being separated from everyone, being separated from the people, being looked at by people as though he was completely evil, stricken by God. The divine judgment of God was put on him. This was his situation. This was his condition. Leprosy in Israel was considered to be a divine judgment of God. There is a scriptural reference for this. And in Numbers chapter 12, we have the description of Miriam, Moses' brother, when she had a little bit of an attitude towards Moses because of a wife that he took, God struck Miriam with leprosy. It was a divine judgment just because she had an attitude. She had an attitude. And as a result, God struck her with leprosy. And everyone knew that it was a divine judgment of God. Now, of course, in her situation, God did relieve her of that leprosy. He did heal her of the leprosy that he gave her before the eighth day when she would have been evaluated and officially declared to be a leper. And so Miriam was never officially declared to be a leper, but this is an example of why the people would have seen this as a divine judgment. Now, if this man was suffering under the divine judgment of God, Who could possibly intervene? Who could possibly help this person? Who could possibly intervene on his behalf and set him free from the leprosy that he has? The only example that we know of in history of any divine intervention is with Naaman, the Syrian. And we have that example that we can read in 2 Kings chapter 5. We have the description of Elijah, the prophet, telling Naaman, the Syrian, to go and jump in the Jordan seven times. He did that, and then he was healed of his leprosy. We have that example. But Naaman was not an Israelite. He was not officially declared to be a leper. He was not living in obedience to the commandments that God gave in Leviticus chapter 13 concerning leprosy. It was a circumstance when God divinely intervened in the life of a person who was not an Israelite. And as a result, he was not subject to the laws concerning leprosy as were recorded in Moses. But it is a situation where we can see that the living God did intervene in the life of somebody and he healed an individual of their leprosy. Because of what we know about leprosy, we know that there is no way that anyone could have possibly been healed without the divine judgment of God. But at no time in the history of Israel... Do we have any indication at all that any Israelite had ever been healed of leprosy? No indication of that anywhere at all. And so when Jesus sent this man to the priest in verse 14, this is Luke chapter five, verse 14, it says, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. When he told them to do that, this man went to the priests, went to the temple, and they had never, ever encountered anyone who had ever been healed of leprosy in Israel before, who was an Israelite. This had never happened. This man is approaching the priests, those whom he had no hope, just before this, no hope whatsoever of ever having the opportunity to be a part of the nation of Israel like he once was before. He had no hope of this at all, and today he is going to the priests. He is the man who was so unclean that no one could touch him, but Jesus touched him. Jesus touched him in verse 13, then he put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him. So he goes to the priest, and the priest is going to ask him, did you really have leprosy? And he's going to say yes. And then the priest is going to have to ask him, well, what happened? He will tell him, you saw me as a person who was so unclean that you could never hear me speak You could never come in contact with me. You could never touch me. But this man, Jesus, he touched me. And through that, he cleansed me. And I have come here by his decree, by his command, according to the law of Moses. Because Moses said that if a leper is cleansed, he is to come here to be evaluated and to be declared to be clean once again. And the priest would have to say, excuse me, I have no idea what you're talking about. Why would he have any idea what he was talking about? Why would he? They had never, ever experienced this before. Never in the history of Israel had anyone come before a priest and said, I was once a leper, but now I'm not because Jesus touched me or for any other reason for that matter. So the priest would take him to the temple and he would be evaluated. How would he be evaluated? They would have to go to the next chapter in Leviticus. In Leviticus chapter 13, we have the laws concerning the declaration of a leper, the identification of leprosy, the declaration of a leper, and the laws governing the life of a leper. But in Leviticus chapter 14, we have the laws concerning the cleansing of one who was once a leper. And these laws had never, ever been executed in the history of Israel, to our knowledge. Had never been performed. Had never been done. All of the laws in the law of Moses had been observed. All of them had been fulfilled in one way or another. All of them were followed except for these. There was never any opportunity that we know of for anyone to ever observe the laws of Leviticus chapter 14 because no one had ever been set free from the divine judgment of leprosy. Of all of those who had ever suffered under leprosy, God decided to heal only this one at this time. Now, of course, later he did heal another nine. We usually refer to that group as the ten lepers, but one of them was not an Israelite. And so we do have an additional nine that we can refer to later, which to me is a further exaggeration of this point that is established here and now, that the divine presence is there. The divine is here to set people free of the divine judgments, to include this one. And the laws of Leviticus 14 are going to be performed now. Now, for these laws to be executed... There is a period of evaluation. An investigation has to take place. It's necessary for people to determine what happened. The first thing that they're going to have to do is they're going to have to determine that this person was, in fact, at some time, declared to be a leper. The second thing that they are going to have to do is they are going to have to investigate the circumstances concerning the healing and then they will follow the laws according to Leviticus chapter 14 and declare this individual to be healed of leprosy and permit him to once again be a part of the nation of Israel as he once was before he was declared to be a leper. So people came from every town in Jerusalem Galilee, Judea, the entire nation of Israel, everyone was going to investigate this situation. Everyone was going to determine what happened, figure out what occurred, find out what took place. That is why they were there. They were there for the purpose of investigating the healing of the Jewish leper. They had to perform this investigation and return to Jerusalem in time to be able to declare this individual to be clean within the seven days that he was supposed to be evaluated so that on the eighth day he could be declared to be a part of the nation of Israel again. But when these people were going there, I can only imagine what they were thinking because I don't know. But my imagination is definitely based on what they believed at that time. And one of the things that they believed was that if a person was leprous, it was because of a divine judgment of God. And because of that, the only way that they would ever be set free of their leprosy would be if the divine person himself was merciful and would set them free. And so because of that, it was taught among the rabbis, it was taught among the Pharisees that the only one who would ever heal a leper would be the Messiah, that this was a distinctive miracle that they believed a person could perform in order to show and demonstrate that they truly were the Messiah. In Sanhedrin, Tractate Sanhedrin, in their writings, folio 98a, it says that the Messiah would tend to the wounds of the leper. Again, that's Tractate Sanhedrin, Folio 98a, that the Messiah would tend to the wounds of the leper. To tend to the wounds of the leper would require one of two things. First of all, that he's a leper himself, so that he can come in contact with a leper, because he's going to become ritually unclean. He's going to become defiled because he touches a leper. The Messiah can't do that unless he's a leper himself or unless he heals the leper. Those were the two schools of thought that were predominant at this time. And then if you continue into folio 98b, the rabbis quote Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4. Isaiah 53 verse 4, declaring that this chapter of Isaiah 53 refers to the Messiah. And the healing of the leper would be the sign to know that this man is the man spoken of In Isaiah 53, he declared through this healing to the rabbis, according to their beliefs, that he is the Messiah. But in their determination to reject him, they were willing to reject their own writings in the writings related to the Sanhedrin. We have all been guilty of sin, and in that way, we are all defiled as a leper. But when Jesus touches us, when he touches you with his forgiveness, there is no further offering to be made. There is no further cleansing to go through. And there is no priest who you require for confirmation or approval. Let him change you, transform you, and be your God for all eternity.
0: Eight zero nine three seven, or use the donation link on our website, Living That is Living